0: Now, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, Acts 9, we are picking up where we left off, an amazing story here, an account of how the church uh, began and how the gospel spread throughout the world, Acts chapter 9. Now, Heavenly Father, in this amazing, miraculous story of two uh, supernatural miracles from heaven that we get to read about this morning. Uh, Help us, Uh, there's so much insight by what happened and how it happened and to whom it happened. Lord, help us hear what your spirit is saying to us and show us how to put that truth into practice so that our lives could be a blessing to others and be blessed themselves, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to open with a two and a half minute uh, news clip off of um, the internet uh, that I thought you would find very intriguing and it's a nice way to introduce this morning's text. In this morning's text, Peter, is the power through Jesus Christ to heal somebody who had died, to raise them from the dead. And I came across this, I think you'll find it fascinating Takes a little moment. A 37 year old Ohio man who came back from the dead. His heart stopped for 45 minutes. The doctors finally gave up, but his son simply would not. ABC's Alex Perez has his unbelievable story. It's. Amen. (laughs) Declared dead, body being prepped for the morgue the sun, pastor by the side. Uh, in the article, uh, it talks about how a bunch of people from the church had showed up and they were all gathered there praying as well and then suddenly, no explanation. You know, if you get past Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then everything else is kind of downhill from there as far as miracles go, right? (laughs) I I mean, I don't have any problem with that uh, because I know God spoke uh, in Genesis chapter one and verse five, I believe it says, and he made the stars as well just a few words that says, oh, by the way, he made them. You know, he just said stars, and there were stars. So, you know, when a heart that he created stops and people are praying, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't have any problem seeing that God uh, can do things like that. It was Jesus, our Lord, who said, with God, all things are possible. And under the banner of all things would come raising somebody from the dead, and... If there is anybody here with the hope of ever going to heaven, uh, then you surely believe that those kinds of miracles are possible. Because if they're not, then what are you going to do? Because you're in a flat line, right? So God has the ability. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If anybody believes in me, even if he dies, yet shall he live. John chapter 11, verse 25. Now, speaking of raising the dead uh, this morning in our text, well, Jesus has already told his disciples that it wouldn't be over when he died. He said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to the Father. And uh, after my resurrection, I'll send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. I will be with you. I will be inside of you carrying on the same work that I did here on the earth. And then in Mark Chapter 16 and verse 17, it says that these kinds of miraculous signs would accompany those who believe upon his name. And so this morning, we're going to see the Lord confirming his message through these kinds of powerful signs by two miracles. First, power to one who is paralyzed, and then life to a dead woman. Two spectacular Uh, God-breathed miracles here. Starting at verse 32, we'll read both of them first. Now, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Sounds familiar. It's what Jesus used to say. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, and there's the Greek rendering of her name, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room and all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Now, Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. Seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So, we're gonna take a look at these two spectacular miracles and what, what it means to us today. Now, the text has turned to Peter, and God is working in Peter's heart, doing a profound work in him and, and helping him with his prejudice. He has been a kosher, good Jewish boy all his life, and so it is hard for him and others like him, to consider the Gentiles, which all that means is the nations, or the non-Jews, as equal heirs, of Christ and the kingdom of God with the Jew. For centuries, you really had to come into relationship with the God of Israel in order to know about God. And everybody outside of that covenant were considered Gentile, or you could even say heathen because they did not have any concept of a biblical view of God. And so that's where the word Gentile, which normally just means nations, can get a slightly pejorative or uh, term meaning pagan because they were outside the covenant and understanding of the biblical concept of God. But all of that is changing because Jesus said you will begin in Jerusalem, you'll go to Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. The Peter, the Lord is working gently in Peter's life and kind of moving him from Jerusalem, first to Samaria where there's this big revival And and the Holy Spirit comes upon the Samaritans. Peter is wowed and he continues ministry there. And now the Lord is moving him further and further from Jerusalem and just opening his eyes that the gospel is not strictly a Jewish thing anymore. It's going to be a whole world, everybody thing. And so I just imagine that the Apostle Paul, who we just saw got converted. I can imagine him looking. I mean, he went to Jerusalem to, to meet the guys after he became Paul the Apostle. And I can imagine him saying, what, what are you guys hanging out just in Jerusalem? Didn't our Lord say, take this to the utmost parts of the world? And so that was just, in, uh, I can just see Peter saying, yeah, you're right. And so the Lord is moving him in that direction. And so we're here he, le- he ends up in a mostly Gentile um, city. 25 miles east of Jerusalem, this place called Lydda, uh, it is, if you land in Tel Aviv, you have landed in Lydda. It's also called Lod, now, L-O-D. Now, uh, your text says, meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came to visit the saints. That's a new way to label what a believer is uh, in the town of Lydda. So Peter's roaming around to and fro, seeking someone to encourage. And in our uh, coming and going in life, we ought to be uh, like Peter, looking for somebody in need. And if we are going about our day as a disciple of the Lord, we should be on our radar who's in need. We should be looking and be aware. And Peter was, and he he finds Aeneas who needs help. Needs a word from the Lord, needs to be strengthened in his paralysis, and that's really the burden in our hearts, to be like Peter in that way. Very interesting word to call us saints. And of course, it doesn't mean moral perfection, uh, like in higher church uh, settings, uh, call somebody a saint, but the Bible uses that word for anybody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word just means it holy. In fact, in the Greek, it says uh, Peter came to visit the holy ones. So, saints comes, all that means is, is the same word for Holy Spirit, or holy city, or holy place, or don't give to uh, dogs that which is holy, what Jesus said. That word is hagias, 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 the same thing. Peter came down to visit the hagias. The saints, the holy, one, uh, the holy ones, Here, here's the idea. The moral quality of Jesus, it means to separate. So God is holy in that he's completely and distinctly separated from all darkness and all sin and, and the worldly corruption. God is, is separated from all of that. And so when he calls us holy, it means we're separated from sin, from death, from the world, from our old lives and separated to him. And so he dwells in our hearts. He is holy, he's making us holy, but we reflect and share his moral character. So it's really nice to live up to our labels. Some people don't like labels. They say, you know, I'm not into labels, but God is into labels because he labeled them us. He he labels us saints. He calls us in the New Testament brothers and sisters. He calls us disciples. That means we are learners. We are students. We are brothers and sisters in that we have the same father. So we expect expected to have that love, that family love for one another. And so he also calls us believers because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So there are a lot of labels. We need to live up to the label on the package because that's who we are. We are the holy ones. Or whether you like it or not, you call yourself a believer and you say you're a Christian, you are the Holy One. So, you know, you don't want to get into false advertising, right? That, that wouldn't be good. You know, uh, do you remember in the 80s, Beechnut got sued and they had to pay, at that time, a lot of money, $2 million, for false advertising on their baby juice. It said 100% apple juice and it had no apple juice in it. It was chemically induced Apple juice, And so that was bad. You know, last month, Pepsi got a settled out of court. Nine million dollar settlement for their naked juices. The naked juice brand, it says all natural. But come to find out under a microscope, uh, they've got some other ingredients in there that are not all natural. So they said, take off the all natural sign and give us nine million dollars while you're doing it. And so it, it's just, you know, you want to live up to it. Let's be who who we are, because that's who he made us to be. Amen? I need an amen so bad there. Thank you for complying. All right, so he stops in to encourage the holy ones, and we find out that there's been a, 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 a really sad situation in that group, in that fellowship. Uh, 2,922 days, a man has been flat on his back for eight years, it's a long time to be in bed, paralyzed, a constant burden, bed sores, humiliation, hygiene, bathroom, poverty, wife and kids, what a burden, loss of income, meaning, strain of debilitating, uh, disability, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, 3,000 days, trapped as a prisoner, a broken body, Until one day, of course, the the famous, famous Apostle Peter is stopping by. Now, everybody heard about him. All Christians knew about him. And the stories about him. So they have him in the home there. And Aeneas is laying there. And everybody else is milling about. Oh, Peter, tell us, what did he look like, the Son of God? What What did he look like? Describe him. What was it like talking to God in a body? Oh, tell us some of the stories. And Peter's like, oh, uh, tell us the water one. When you're walking on the water, tell us. how Well, there I was. I see him out there, and I'm thinking, boy, that looked like fun. So I say to him, Lord, you know, if it's, it's okay with you, if it's really you, tell me to, to come, and, and I could walk on the water like you. And so everybody's like just wrapped up with the big eyes, and he's talking about getting out of the boat and describing what it was like, like I thought it was going to sink. You know, I just was walking on the water. I couldn't believe it. I'm looking down and telling the whole story. What was it like when he shone like 10,000 suns from his face? You saw that, Peter? Tell us about it. And then... He, they say oh and how about the healings and all of that and he goes well one time this, bl- this blind guy by the road I saw him I mean you could tell there were like no eyes in the socket and suddenly he, the guy's walking around seeing and then there was this lame guy by the pool of Salome <laughs> quiet and he went yeah um, yeah it's a lame guy everybody's looking at him like it's a lame guy right here and Peter's feeling and sensing and praying and wondering is this going to happen And a flutter in his heart, I don't know, he just knew. And he looks at him and says, Ananias, this is your day. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And the King James, it says, get up and make your bed. You know, Chuck Swindoll said, what a miracle. Some some, uh, parents have been saying that to their teenagers for years. (laughs) Get up and make your bed. And it actually happened here. It's amazing. And so... Why does Peter say, kind of awkward? He looks at it and suddenly he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Well, he'd been telling stories. I was next to God. I got out of a boat. I was walking on the water. And then we're standing there and he's shining like the sun. And then I was there when he raised the dead and he did this and I was there. And, and then everybody's kind of like star stricken. Would it you be? I would be. You're, you're Peter. Wow. That's a wow. And so he just said, just so you know, there are no questions from the beginning. Jesus Christ heals you, nothing to do with me, a vessel, so you don't just, uh, you know, the eyes get even bigger. Oh, I say to you, arise. It's sad to watch some of the religious broadcasting. It's really sad. We just did this a, t- a few days ago. We were surfing around the upper register where we never surf and just was just surfing around. What's up here? What's up here? And a lot of religious programming. My ministry, my anointing, my four keys to success and prosperity. Me, me, me. My thing that we've built here. It's just grievous. So he says, listen, uh, like in Acts chapter three, where this happened, Peter said, why are you staring at us? Like, We did some kind of, we had some kind of power to make this man walk. Because people have the tendency to get mixed up because they see the gift, they recognize the power of God, and unfortunately they associate that gifting with the person. And that person gets, we get starry eyed about that person because of their gift. And so Peter just says, You know, Jesus Christ heals you. Uh, The way to not get mixed up about the accomplishment because God will do amazing things in and through you. The way to make sure that God always gets the glory is for you for two things, I think. I think a good memory and good theology. Peter has a good memory. He knows, you know what, without the Lord, I'm kind of a backwoods, weak-spined, impulsive, proud, uneducated fisherman. That's who he is. He has a good memory. You know what? If God lifted his grace for one second, I would deny him like that. Oh, and he did. He's got a good memory and he's got good theology. Paul the Apostle said, You know, no good thing lives within me apart from the Holy Spirit. Humbling. So if you take a good memory and a really good knowledge of who you really are and also good theology, It will will, it will help you and me to always be quick to give all glory to God, whether that's how far you've come in your secular business or all your 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 gifts and abilities. I mean even the person who has the gift can get confused. Think, Oh wow, look at me. Jesus Christ heals you, just so you know. It's beautiful. And so these miracles really serve a greater purpose. They're they're given to validate the message. Yes, Jesus cares about people like Aeneas who are hurting and paralyzed, but his mission wasn't to come and, and do physical healings. It was about bringing the gospel where we would be healed eternally, to have eternal life and to escape the wrath of God. I love, he gives examples like that. He would say, the bigger message, I'm the light of the world, If anybody believes in me, uh, they shall have the light of life. Never walk in darkness. So he says, "Uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. And he heals the blind man. And he says, that's why I came, so that people who are blind will see. He did not mean physically blind. He said, the bigger picture, this one healing of a physical man born blind is an example of a bigger picture, the spiritual application that I came not not for a ministry for disabled people. That's not the point, but I use the miracle powers helping disabled people and and healing them to show the bigger picture that I came to die on the cross to make you whole eternally, that you'd live forever, that your eyes would see and never close in death. That your mouth would be able to be unstopped and praise God that your ears would be open so that you could hear the voice of God. So your, your, your limbs that are paralyzed could, could be given strength so that you could walk with the living God and be the person God created you to be. That's what miracles were for. That's what miracles are all about. The greatest one of all, of course, was Lazarus when Jesus kept saying, hey, if anybody believes in me, even if you die, you'll live. Now give me a dead body. I'll show you that I have the power to make good the promise. Lazarus, come here. So Lazarus comes out after being dead for four days. He's saying, you can trust me when I say, whoever trusts in me will live forever because I displayed the work that only God can do. In fact, in John 10, he says, don't believe me if I cannot do what only God can do. But if I do, then you must have faith in me for the sake of the evidence of the miracles themselves. Look, check it out yourself, John uh, chapter 10. Now, the work of Aeneas really speaks to God's ability to give us power in our weakness. Uh, it's a great biblical description of the human uh, condition, being without power. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And so the sinful self, it's a ruthless taskmaster, is it not? And without Jesus, we're pretty helpless. Because of sin, we can't be who we need to be. And so I quoted last week from Christianity Today, and you can check it out if you missed the testimony. It's called My Train Wreck Conversion. And I quoted from this article uh, where this lesbian leftist professor was giving her testimony. And in her testimony, she said, I, I came to the realization one day, this is a false identity, or it could be. This might not be who, who I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm laboring under some woundedness, or uh, something happened to me, or uh, for whatever reason, I'm wearing this thing on me, but maybe that's not really who I am. And then somebody said, Rosaria, Jesus Christ heals you. Not exactly like that, but she heard the word of God. She was touched by Jesus, and her uh, paralysis in her sexual orientation was healed. She, she got her legs. She married a pastor. She's called wife by a husband, and she's raising children and preaching The gospel. So in verse 35, you're going to see the larger purpose here. Now, when Aeneas walked down to the center of town on his own two legs, people would say, hey, weren't you the paralyzed guy for eight years, right? And then he could say, uh, Jesus Christ healed me. Ah, so now we see everyone in the region who ran into this man and saw that he could now walk, turn to the Lord. Verse 35. That's the whole point. When God does a miracle and transforms a life, the whole point of that is to bring others to him. That's the whole point. And so, you know, transformed lives are uh, walking advertisements and proof that Jesus is alive and the gospel is true. Hey, well, you know, a a former student of the uh, ex-leftist, militant, Christian-hating Lesbian professor Runs into them Each other Weren't you the leftist professor Who mocked me as a Christian And she did She would publicly ridicule her Christian students Weren't you What do you mean inviting me to church Yeah well my husband's a pastor And and she's rocking a little kid You know Your husband's a pastor You're inviting me to church You hated Christians You mocked me Yeah well I got my legs got my strength Jesus healed me, right? People are inclined to take the gospel message a lot more seriously when it's coming from a lip, lips rather, of somebody who's experienced and tasted that life-transforming power themselves. How useless for us to talk about a, a powerful God who can change your life while we're laying wrapped up in our bankies uh, by the side of the road, mobilized. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Uh, why don't you stand up first, sir? And we're not talking about physically. I'm talking about a, a, self, um, a self-determined compromise so that you are compromised. I, I, I love what it says. I mean, Proverbs 26, 7, like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. So when we behave foolishly or live foolishly or, or live with moral compromise, and then we're trying to tell people about the Lord, it just says, even the Proverbs, the Proverbs are beautiful. Even a proverb in your mouth, it's just useless. Guy talking to me about oh, God setting him free. as in AA for so many years, and he's talking about the Lord. And uh, my heart just broke because I smelled alcohol on his breath, big time. It's over, buddy. I don't want to hear it. My ears went, I don't want to hear anything. But that wasn't Aeneas. Aeneas got up, was walking around, and people said, man, I'm turning to the Lord because you're walking in newness of life. Now, that was a great miracle. Let's get to the greater miracle. Verse 36 through 43. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, right? Right? which when translated means Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two guys, and, and they rushed down there, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. He got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opens her eyes, sees Peter, sits up. He takes her by the hand and presents her. This becomes known all over Joppa. And so just a beautiful thing once again. Now let's meet this miracle. This is the big ticket item, power over death. Um, the theological application, of course, is when when we are believers, this will be our state in life. That even when we're dead, we won't stay that way. Now, first notice who Tabitha was. She's labeled a disciple, but there's a word used here that's only used one time and for her and never again in the whole Bible. It's really akin to disciplette. And so it's a female version of disciple. So what commentators say is she was such a, her name Tabitha means graceful gazelle or doe. This woman was lovely and she was filled with good works and good deeds. And so the Holy Spirit just says, uh, he's even taking the word disciple and feminizing it and saying, in essence, this was a lovely Christian woman. And so while man looks at the outward, God looks at the heart and nothing makes a woman or a more lovely or a man, for that matter, more attractive than a life that overflows with random acts of kindness. No matter your gender, Proverbs 31 is just flat out true. Charm is deceptive. And attractiveness is fleeting. But the person who has reverence for God, they shall be praised. And now we're going to see her evidence of her reverence for God in her good deeds. And we're going to also hear how she is praised. Uh, So Tabitha, for Tabitha, her, her life was all about alleviating suffering, those in need. You know, it wasn't a side thing. She was apparently a good seamstress. And uh, that was her deal. Wherever there was somebody in need, she was busy working. How can I meet this need? And so uh, she's going around doing good. That's who she was, and here's what happened. Like all of us, um, she came down with something that killed her. Like all of us here, we're all going to come down with something that's going to kill us. I'm sorry to bring the happy news to you this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh, let me tell you, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, there is an exception clause. It says, listen, a plane. (laughs) Oh, sorry, I just heard this plane as soon as I said, listen. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The trumpet shall sound and we shall be changed. So at that moment when the Lord appears for the church, we're changed, you're taken up with him. That's amazing. In in a sense, we have died because we are no longer living on the planet, but it's a nice way to go, amen? Rapture Airlines, I highly recommend it. (laughs) Some of us will have long lives and some of us won't. Some lives will be cut short, or so we think. Uh, We've had that happen at The Rock. And even the most useful ones, the most useful devoted Christians too, they're not immune to it. And then oh, we can scratch our heads and just say the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord because God knows all things. But attention all Tabithas and Timothys, Uh, it's only temporary. The separation, the loss, the grief, Uh, death has lost its sting. Our eyes will close in death and open in eternal life. Life And that's really the point of any time God raises anybody from the dead is to underscore the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. You will not die the second death, which is what, what is the big question. There are two deaths. He says, you'll die the first time, but you won't die the second time. The second time is eternal separation from God. That's out of the question. For us. And so she died, and the body's prepared as Jews do, almost said as Jews do's, uh, as Jews do's is the meticulous care to the body, embalming spices, washing her, taking tender care. Now, after she dies, the two guys are sent. What, what are they thinking? Well, there are two possibilities. They hear Peter's in town uh, as close as uh, Montgomery Village. The distance. So they go and get him and they say, Come at once. There's something urgent. Well, number one, who better to do the memorial service? Here's a woman. Everybody's scratching their heads saying, uh, She's the most loved woman in the Christian community. We needed her. Uh, she was a, an integral part of the ministry here. And she gets something. We heard you're in town, but we didn't get you in time. So would you mind doing the memorial service? There are a lot of questions that be, uh, the whole house. Crying and sobbing. They're distraught. Who better to bring an encouraging word than the apostle? And maybe she was hoping, oh, go get Peter languishing. Peter's in town. He's at Montgomery Village. Go get Peter. Oh, I'd love to see Peter. Oh, she died. And they said, go get him anyway. Go tell him. Or number two, somebody in the room got filled with faith. Kind of got a word. Somebody just said, hey, this sickness isn't unto death. It's a word of knowledge or something. There's always somebody in the, in the place that has that, hey, dad, today's not the day. I, I don't, today's not the day. It's not going to happen, dad. Beep. <laughs> there's always somebody like that. I hope there's somebody here like that. Kind of believe hope against hope. Why not? Everybody in the book is commended for how Abraham believes hope against hope. He faced the, the, the consequences, he faced the reality. The facts that his body was dead. Her body was dead. God said, you're just going to have a baby. So he said, okay, we're going to have a baby. Beep. It happened. And he's commended. I don't know. We're just, we call ourselves believers, right? It'd be nice to just believe every so often. Amen. For a miracle. (laughs) I don't know. Just saying, okay, moving on. (laughs) Or somebody else was thinking, go get Peter. Maybe it's not over you mean maybe it's not over you want to get get a pulse there she's upstairs we're gonna bury her tonight you mean it's not over has any apostle ever raised anybody from the dead no not a one only jesus there's nothing to go on here buddy she's dead but go get him it'd be nice to see him have him talk to us tell some stories he'll do a good service so Peter. Uh, comes in. The brothers arrive. They take him straight up to the room. Now, for me, I don't. As a pastor, I'm thinking of me being brought up there. You know, don't you? Do that. Put yourself in the story somewhere. And uh, I, I don't envy that position. Going in a room filled with, first of all, a dead body on the on the. You know, there she is, dead. And then uh, there's all these crying, sobbing ladies. I, I'm uncomfortable just talking about it. Uh, <laughs> You know, and the realistic touch, they're clutching the robes and they're they're just showing everything. Feel the quality of the fabric, Peter. You can't just go out and buy this. Look at the stitches. Look at this. Look at the work. Look at this. The colors and look at this and look at that. Clutching all the things that that, that caused the grief in their hearts to say nobody could sew like Tabitha. And she did it as a labor of love. One pastor said, Tabitha embroidered her way into history and into the hearts of a church and into the fabric of the pages of the word of God. Let me ask you to think about how many souls have heard about Tabitha since 2,000 years. God and the Holy Spirit took a nobody because she liked to do kind things for people in need. Said, you know what? I'm going to knit you into the story, the eternal word of God, which lives forever. You're part of it. It's pretty nice. Seminary class, we were challenged to prepare a funeral for somebody nobody liked, where there would be no tears because there was no investment. Nobody had anything clutched in their hands, not even in their memories, clutching a memory of a kindness I was here, I was there. And there was nothing to say about this person because they lived a self-centered life. It's all about them and their problems and their ups and downs and me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. Then they die. Nobody's crying because there's no investment. They're not clutching anything. They ain't got nothing to show or tell. And my professor said, preach that sermon. And I, the first thought I had was, I would have to make stuff up. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't make stuff up, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm joking around people. <laughs> Crying out loud, I'm just so serious in the morning. How many of you had breakfast? How many did not? Ah now we got the problem. Alright. Breakfast burritos right across the way. <laughs> so what were they saying? Oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. Uh, Peter, you know, we could really, you know, she, she, she's so valuable to us, and Peter could... Uh, <laughs> just ladies, everybody out of the room, do you know what kind of hush came upon those ladies? Like, why? What are you going to do? <laughs> you going to, well, no. So they all go out of the room. They shut the door. You know. Their ears were pressed up against the door. <laughs> Mine would be, you know, what is the apostle who hung out with the Son of God, doing with the dead body and wants us all out of the room for? I'd be listening. And so the, so he's praying. I wanna know, Peter, first question, would you pray? I, I would've been kneeling there going, Lord, help. <laughs> uh, well, what did he, see? I would, he maybe said, she was a special lady, Lord. She touched a lot of hearts. Is there a special miracle for her? I don't know. Did his face get hot? Did the pulse quicken? Did he get that sense, that anointing feeling like, wow, there's a heaviness in the room? But it says he turns to the dead body and says, Tabitha, get up. Oh, I love this. I think he's on his knees going WWJD. What would Jesus do? Striking parallels with what Jesus did do with Jairus' daughter, Mark chapter 5, Matthew chapter 9. Cleared the room, prayed, and then the Lord said, Talitha kum, he says, Tabitha kum. It's clicking for Peter. Ah, Lord, you're going to do this again, aren't you? And then when one eye opened, this is how I picture it, Peter goes, Talitha kum, Tabitha kum. Yeah, well, when eye open, both of hers start to twitch. And, you know, you know who needs prayer now? Peter, I would think. <laughs> you know, she opens her eyes. It's like, oh, oh you're here. You know, you, we, we just think Bible heroes, you know. So we picture Peter going, Talitha Kum. She opens her eyes and he goes, hello. I'm glad you're back. I just raised you from the dead. Shall we go into the next room? No, I don't think so. I think Peter had a little bit of a fainting spell. happen just like, oh, here we go. She's alive. So, what a touching uh, story. He takes her by the hand, helps her to her feet, calls on the widows. Widows, ladies, come on up here. And, and look at how it's phrased. He presents her. This is what Jesus would do. Jesus, remember the widow of Nain, her boy. It says, and the Lord gave the boy back to his mother. So Peter's saying, I'm going to be like Jesus. You know, here you go. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. And in me, he's doing it again. Wow. Yeah, you think there was an emotional uh, chaos before. Can you imagine the widows there? And, and then I just imagine, what kind of robe did Tabitha embroider for Peter? Was it the last thing he saw as they stripped it off of him and crucified him? You know, Peter ends his life being crucified upside down. Peter says, are you going to crucify me? They say, yes, just like your Lord. And he said, I'm unworthy to be crucified as Jesus. So they said, okay, we'll do it upside down. He had the robe on, probably. Don't miss the whole point, you know. Then the Bible ends this thing by saying, uh, People saw her live in her new life and um, turned to Peter. No, they turned to the Lord because she was living her new life. We are Aeneas. We are the lame and powerless. We are Tabitha. Uh, we were once dead. Now we're raised to new life. And once we're up and running, ah, we're Peter. We go about looking for people who who need power in their weakness, who need life in their death, through Jesus' word, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what makes living as a Christian so wonderful. If you don't have a mission, if you're all about you and your woes and your marriage and your finances, please, how miserable is that? But if in your ordinary life and struggles, you're about serving God and, and speaking God's word into people's brokenness, and misery, and death, and darkness, and destruction. You are so useful, and it's so exciting, and God sets you up for it, and, and you know who's blessed most of all is the one through whom Jesus speaks, and then something of life comes about it. That, that is the most beautiful of all things, so... The doctor says, I'm sorry, he's gone. Prepare the body for the morgue. And the boy says, you know, Dad, it's not your day. We're all praying. And in the middle of the sentence, beep. Just love it, a blip of life. And I wonder, who's in church this morning? Because they were a part of that. How about the nurse preparing the dead body for the morgue? Seeing the boy and the pastor crying, tolerating them. You always let them near the body tolerating it all, undoing things, and then she sees, blip, with the pastor standing there so she can make the connection, praying. Ah, is she in church this morning? She may be. Is there a doctor in church this morning? Is there somebody who heard about the story in church? That's the whole point of every miraculous incident in the Bible and life transformation outside of the Bible. For people to see the good, beautiful deed, and glorify God by coming to him and having life as well. That's what God's interested in. And now, we're going to close the service by remembering God's death on our behalf, God the Son, Jesus, on our behalf. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we recognize that apart from your death on the cross, there is no strength and there is no life. There are no, are no miracles. There's just wrath condemnation, and uh, all of it deserved. So we thank you, God, for your great love. We, We pray that as we participate in this symbolic act to remember what you did for us and how it gets on the inside and gives us eternal life as we receive by faith, we just ask you to speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.